Welcome to the podcast. We are Stuck in the 90s, your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Alfick. And I'm Connor Thompson. This week, we are bringing you August 5th through August 11th in the year 1990. How about it? August 5th, Madonna ends her controversial Blonde Ambition tour in Nice, France. The last date was aired live and broadcast on HBO in the United States and later released as a Laserdisc only. I wonder how many copies of that were made. Like, Seven. Laserdisc was super niche then. Was, yeah. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> Who bought that? Like, uh, Patrick Bateman? Not many people. Quick note on the controversy. So, the tour was met with strong action from religious groups for a performance of Like a Virgin, during which two male dancers caressed her body before she simulated masturbation. The Church of England and the Catholic Church criticized oh, her fuck. performance, and the Pope asked the general public and the Christian community not to attend the concert. That is a pretty big outcry for basically what is common pop music concert nowadays. The times, they are a changing. Good. Also on this date, robberies at Asian homes on the rise. More than 200 military-style home invasions have been reported in California since 1988. From the suburbs of Sydney, Australia, to the immigrant enclaves of Orange County and the housing tracts of the San Gabriel Valley, the method is identical. Four or more masked men, often Southeast Asian gang members, knock on a door in an Asian neighborhood and force their way inside a gunpoint. Leaving a lookout posted inside, they systematically secure the house, herd the occupants in one room, tie them up with electrical cord, rope, or duct tape, and ransack the house looking for cash, electronics, and jewelry. The robberies are planned and executed with such military-style precision that the police have dubbed them home invasions. More than 200 have been reported in California since 1988, and authorities believe the attacks are becoming more widespread and more violent than ever. Keep in mind that since 1988 is only a span of two years, because this year's 1990. Yeah, it's interesting the way they go about the wording of home invasion. It's like... It's not a robbery. It is a more serious Well, thing. I mean, a home invasion is a relatively common term, and it yeah. seems like there, this seems to be a early use of it. Yeah, I could be wrong. Point, I, I think could you're be right, making though. that up, but it seems like the way that they're wording it in this article is new. Yeah. Let's move on to August 6th. The United States issues its first orders deploying military forces in response to the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait, sending two squadrons hashtag squad goals, of United States Air Force F-15 Eagle fighters into the Persian Gulf region and several U.S. Air Force B-52 Stratofortress bombers. That is cool. That is a cool name. I almost choked a little bit on my water when you said hashtag squad goals. I didn't see that coming. That was not in the notes. I, yeah, I didn't that kind of just happened. Also, Strato Fortress. I'm really down with that word and need to find a way to shoehorn that into everything. It sounds like a fucking sweet band. It sounds like a like castle in the clouds. Oh, That's does. quite literally, I think. Yeah, like Strato yeah. as in stratosphere, yeah. fortress as in fortress. Let's uh, let's do something with that. Podcast listeners, ignore that whole last bit. Yeah, uh, dibs. We're, yeah, we're dibsing in on the Stratos Fortress. Anyway, Strato Fortress bombers from the continental United States to uh, the Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean, blah, blah, blah. Earlier on the podcast, uh, a few months ago when we did 1990, one of the first times we mentioned the beginning of Operation Desert Storm, now is when they're actually starting to roll the forces out. Wheels are now in motion. Things are happening. Military invasion is a thing. So yeah, that's progress, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. in terms of that. Also, 
Also today, Julia Roberts clarifies remarks. Actress Julia Roberts, who outraged many upstate South Carolinans by saying the region was racist, <laughs> now says she was referring to just one incident. I was born in the South, so no way am I trying to create a stereotype, Roberts said, in a statement given to the Anderson Independent Mail. Roberts, who is from, this is a very Welsh-looking word. Smyrna? Smyrna, Georgia, said that she was referring to an incident in which a black friend who entered an Abbeville restaurant with her was refused service. She added, I was shocked that this type of treatment still exists in America in the 90s, in the South, or anywhere else. And this is not the first instance we've had of a story like this on the podcast. We will never forget. Hashtag Denny's. I mean, yeah. And like, <laughs> well, that was with Secret Service agents. Racism is bad, but like, you would just think if you're in a position of power or with a famous celebrity, you'd be given some kind of preferential treatment. You'd think. Holy fuck. Like, it, to be an average Joe would have just sucked. Moving on. August 7th. Personal computers of magnetism and monitors. Concern has been increasing over the possibility of adverse health effects from computer monitors. Macworld, a monthly magazine that reports on the Apple Macintosh and related products, recently conducted tests that measured the extremely low frequency magnetic fields created by most computer monitors, including IBM computers and compatibles, as well as those from Apple Computer Inc. In general, the strength of the magnetic fields measured near the monitors was comparable to the strength of low frequency fields that have been cited as possible factors in studies of increased rates of cancers, pregnancy problems, and neurological disorders. The article then goes on to point out that there's no confirmed evidence uh, that there are actually any ill health effects, and either way, we've all moved on to LCD monitors, so problem solved. Yeah, if it was a problem, it's been solved. Uh, it was really interesting in the article. They also pointed out how, like, companies are selling, like, lead-lined vests and stuff, <laughs> like the kind of things you'd wear, like, in an x-ray machine yeah. in order to sort of curb these problems or, well, just basically placate the public who was paranoid. I remember seeing these in the late 90s, those shields that you'd hang over the monitor to stop the radiation and stuff. I thought those were early, like, privacy screens. Uh, I think they were also, they were also sold oh, as like anti-glare or okay, privacy okay. screens yeah but i think it could have been threefold in that one of them was definitely a don't die like mm. you know i could just see the as seen on tv commercial are you getting cancer in your face do you not like people watching your shit? Is there a lot of glare from the fucking sun? You're probably going to hit one of those three checkboxes. Yeah, exactly. Probably That's not like the face cancer. 1990, 1999 on, on sale for, uh, you know, plus shipping and handling. Oh, God. Let's move on to August 8th. Yeah. Good idea? Yeah. Okay. East Germany's jobless nearly double in July. East German unemployment nearly doubled in July to 272,000 people, underscoring the need for unification with West Germany to rescue the former communist country's crumbling economy. Labor officials said on Tuesday. The Labor Office said that the unemployed soared 90% last month to 272,000, with another 847,000 people working or registered for short-time, or what I assume is part-time work, mm. a state-funded limbo between joblessness and welfare. I kind of just put this in because... I was surprised East Germany and West Germany was still kind of a distinction in the 90s. For me, yeah. it was just, okay, follow the Berlin Wall, everything's honky-dory. Obviously, there was more to it There's than a that. little bit of bureaucracy there. A little bit of red tape, a little bit of economic strife. Speaking of red tape, August 9th, food destroyed, sausage recalled. All food products at the M&M facility were destroyed. Venetian salami from Canada was recalled. So a Southern California food wholesaler agreed to pay a record fine after health officials discovered widespread rodent infestation 
attestation at the firm's cold storage warehouse that held meats and seafood products. Michael Silver, owner of Lamita-based M&M Foods, was fined $100,000 because his firm's downtown Los Angeles warehouse was, quote, I love this, adulterated by rodent feces, hair, and gnaw marks, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Silver, who pled guilty to two misdemeanor counts, also received three years probation. In an unrelated action, the USDA announced last week a recall of two brands of Canadian-made cacciatore sausage because of high levels of Staphylococcus bacteria. So Staph, that sucks. Yeah, that really does. Also, I just really like the line, adulterated by rodent feces. It just makes me think Nom that marks. They... they actually said gnaw marks. I just like the potentially out-of-context use of the word adulterated. <laughs> these rodents were cheating on their spouses and significant others. You bastards. With, these, uh, with this meat. Yeah, I think this is, this is one of those incidences where I'm thankful for red tape. This is why things exist. This is yeah. why there are regulatory agencies. So I don't like want to pay taxes. Yeah, so shit like this doesn't become inside of me. Yeah, I don't want to eat most poops. No, not really. Let's move on to August 10th. Yep. New toilet drones may get a baptism of fire. <laughs> Featherweight drones, one of the newest weapons in the nation's arsenal, are among the sophisticated weapons technology being shipped to the Middle East for possible use in aerial surveillance of opposing forces, officials said on Thursday. The nine-pound planes, dubbed Unmanned Aerial Vehicles, UAVs as we all know them today, were requested by the recently deployed 82nd Airborne Division and are scheduled to depart with the second wave headed to Saudi Arabia, sources said. So, drones were a thing in, the, in 1990, apparently. I did not... Actually, no, now that I piece it together in my brain, I do remember I remember seeing pictures of drones from Desert Storm. Really? I, I think. don't recall. I mean, like, I knew by the end of the 90s, like, there were, you know, remote controlled planes, kind of early Predator drone style things, but just the, I don't know, to know that they were already being deployed in straight up 1990 proper is news to me and very surprising. Yeah. So, you know what? We can't have a thankfully not 90s about drones. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because that was a thing way back then. That um, is a good point. All right. Closing out the week. August 11th. Three men convicted in $5 million telemarketing scam. Three men were convicted Friday of fraud and tax offenses for their participation in a $5 million telemarketing scam in which hundreds of customers were sold phony rights to precious metals. <laughs> the defendants were convicted of mail and wire fraud, interstate transportation of property obtained by fraud, and tax evasion charges. Each face maximum prison terms of more than 100 years and fines of up to 5 $5.25 million when sentenced on October 22nd. We should follow this up on October 22nd and see what see happened. See what happened? Yeah. My thoughts to this are, greetings friend, do you wish to look as happy as me? Well, you've got the power inside you right now, so use it. Send one dollar to Happy Dude. <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably why I put the story in there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, All right. just reminded me of that whole telemarketing scam from The Simpsons. Simpsons did it. It's true. Let's jump straight into the box office at the number one spot, a movie I am unfamiliar with. Oh, Flatliners. Yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't seen this movie either. I may actually watch it sometime because the concept is interesting and is that super kind of 90s-esque movie that could really only be done in the 90s. Also, there's a remake slash sequel coming out next year. Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon. That is the, all the makings of a perfect 90s movie. Also, Keisha Sutherland's coming back for the sequel. Speaking of a perfect 90s movie, at the number two spot, Ghost, Patrick oh Swayze, God. Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, this, making pottery. These two are, like, 
one, there's a weird obsession with the afterlife in both of these. That's true. Both, I mean, one's about near-death experience. One is clearly about an after-death experience. Yeah. Uh, really interesting kind of thing. Moving down the list, Air America, uh, something called Presumed Innocent. I haven't seen that. What's oh, Problem Child? I don't know what Problem Child is, but what I'm looking at is number nine. Oh, no, One nine of my favorite movie titles of all time. Nine and ten are perfect, are the perfect movies on this list some of my favorite movies 10 more so die hard Two. die harder i am really surprised god that's a good title oh it's a great title i'm really surprised this is this has been in theaters for six weeks i thought this would have been a christmas movie because it takes place at christmas time yeah i guess it's it's good it you know it would have been released in in june going to the theater it's hot outside and you're just reminded of christmas and domestic terrorism it is a christmas movie my mom doesn't think it is but she's wrong Uh, one is more so a christmas movie true two somewhat a two takes place at christmas close enough three drops the premise entirely i hate that let's close it out with the next one number 10 is one of my favorite movies of all time great movie ducktales the movie oh it's so good it is the greatest um one of my biggest childhood disappointments was seeing absolutely nothing ducktales related at walt disney world in orlando florida really there's nothing at least no scrooge mcduck no you know what they should make imagine this a diving board like a big safe diving board into like little foam pellet gold pieces just like just like he does in the ducktales well just the tv show in the intro well disney we know you're listening Make it happen. Like, please. Like, I would God, that'd love be that. How awesome would that be? You go, you, there's this big giant safe. There's a little diving board. Shut up and take my money. Please. Take my idea, Disney. That's a great movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I can't remember a lot of the plot points. It was very Indiana Jones-esque, I think. A good intro to adventure movies if you're a kid and don't really know anything about Indiana Jones. Enough about Indiana Jones. Enough about DuckTales. How about, how about music? You know what? Let's just skip music this week. At the number one spot, no one gives a shit, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey. I, uh, I'm not familiar with this song, so, uh, quite, yeah, I guess I don't give a shit. I would like to give a shit. Maybe I would give a shit. That's okay. We're on the same page. I didn't do my homework for this one. No shits are given. Uh, number two, we have Cradle of Love by Billy Idol. Not familiar with that one either. Is it a good song? Is it a good Billy Idol song? Not one of his best. All right. What do we have at number three? Uh, Rub You the Right Way by Johnny Gill. That's gotta be a great song. I'm just speculating. (laughs) Number four, we have The Power by Snap. Obviously a great song. Is that the one where I've got? the power that is the one and okay rounding out the top five she ain't worth it by glenn medieros featuring bobby brown oh our boy number seven when i'm back on my feet again michael bolton oh michael bolton did you see that uh, last week tonight uh yes thing with with, michael bolton yeah with michael bolton i was so happy when i saw him michael bolton and usher together at last great Oh, number 10, Unskinny Bop by Poison. Not familiar with that. Uh, the dying hair metal band, but Unskinny Bop's a good song. Yeah. Panky Panky by Madonna. Number 13. Another one I am not familiar with. Also, you know my feelings on 90s Madonna. <laughs> Make You Sweat uh, by Key Sweats, number 14, followed right. by Do Me by Belle Biv DeVoe. And people people make fun of music nowadays. I don't know. I've got some strong opinions on Friday by Rebecca Black. Very positive opinions, actually. Uncomfortably positive. Uncomfortably if, strong. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about them on the podcast, but shoot me a message if you want to know. Toward the end of the list, Ooh. well. Toward the end of where we usually cut it off. At number 30, 
Step by step, New Kids on the Block, Poison by Belviv DeVos at 33. Ooh, Aerosmith with The Other Side at 34. Maybe we cut it there. Yeah, let's end it on some Aerosmith. That's a pretty good song. We don't have a song of the week this week, do we? I don't think so. No. Well, this is is a week off. We're taking a week off. Yeah. While we record the podcast. We're taking a week off of the the song of the week. If you want a song to listen to, uh, you know what, maybe uh, Deep Blue Somethings, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. There you go. I'm not even going to say anything about it. Just give it a listen. Let's dive into our 90s spotlight, because this is a good one. This week, we would like to discuss long-lost collectibles. You collected shit in the 90s. You had so much stuff that is worth so much money right now that you no longer have. Oh, God. Mm. Your mom threw it out. Your dad got rid of it. Your brother puked on it. I don't know. Yeah, you moved. Oh, you moved, for sure. There was some weather going on. It got flooded. It got it got locked up in the basement. Something got lost. It got pooped on by a mouse who was adulterating it. Yeah. That was, that was a good, that <laughs> that was a good, was a good reference. Bring, that was yeah. a good bring back. Oh, man. So... I would like to tell you about the most, yeah, the most devastating loss that I suffered as a child. I loved Star Wars. Who didn't? I I didn't. I had, that's ridiculous. I I was purely Star Trek until, until 1990, uh, until the, they did the re-release. I was just hoping you would let me go with that. I'm sorry. I just had to, I just had to, I just had to set the record straight. I appreciate it. I love Star Wars, but as a kid, I, uh, I wasn't into it. It was terrible. I had a Millennium Falcon, a large Millennium Falcon. This thing was legit. I spent hours placing the stickers on it in just the right places. It was so serious. It had, like, the back came up. It had the secret compartment. I shoved my R2-D2 down there. Like, it had a Chewbacca in it. He had the little headset. Han Solo had the little headset. I had everybody in there. It was the best i think i remember seeing that in like the wish book the, do you remember the oh, sears yeah. wish book oh, yeah. and the, it was like my that was the christmas gift one year like that was the big one my mom alleges that i got rid of it and took it up to value village myself i allege that i don't throw away childhood dreams yeah that is insane that like like it still bothers me i still bring it up with her and she gets so angry about it because she thinks she's right and she's so wrong my biggest i think my biggest loss from the 90s was my Power Ranger toys and oh. some other ones. Oh god. I never had the original Megazord. Okay. I had the second. I had I had the ones from the next couple seasons. Mm-hmm. One day, I remember, I think I had them in a garbage bag or something. Just they were being stored in there and I'm pretty sure they got thrown out. One day I went to look for my toys. They were gone and I had no explanation for it. My dad, he wouldn't throw them out on purpose, but he absolutely would have walked it's something he would have done. He would have seen a garbage bag and been like, "Oh, time to take out the trash." crash. Yep. And just unbeknownst to him, thrown out all my toys. And this was a this was a common thing. I mean, if you discuss it with any of your friends, everyone's got at least that one thing they vividly remember trying to hold on to that a parent accidentally got rid of or accidentally on purpose got rid of. Yeah. Just like One Direction said, you've got that one thing. And that one thing is that childhood toy that was thrown out. Okay. Or that collectible. I saw a post on Reddit. Some guy had posted up. It was from, I think, the jungle. Oh, no, it was the fossil. It was a box, a booster box, 36 packs of Pokemon cards from the fossil set. First edition Mm -hmm. that his mom had taken away from him. She didn't want him to open it because she saw it was a first edition and thought it might be worth something someday. eBay, 1200 bucks. Ooh, that is. So that's, that's a, that's someone finding, recovering a lost treasure. And that's great when you can recover something and it still maintains some kind of value, whether that's sentimental or monetary. That is awesome. And then there's also kind of on the other end of that, there's the collectibles you collected towards the end of the 90s that you may still have now, 
or that you've looked upon in recent years and something has kind of fucked it up. I collected, not collected, I had a bunch of Pokemon posters that came with, uh, I think the release of Pokemon Stadium. I don't know how I got them, but I had probably at least a dozen of them. Yeah. But they got wrinkled, they got creased. They're probably meaningless now or worthless. Tons of other toys that I just wanted to keep, uh, keep in good condition. I I reached the age where I recognized them as collectibles, Mm -hmm. but over the years, you move, you neglect, and it just gets lost. Yeah, exactly. I had a whole collection of Dragon Ball Z action figures from Burger King. Oh, yeah. They had little stands. Mm -hmm. They came with trading cards. No idea where they are now. I had them on display uh, out in my living room for years in perfect condition. When they had their original toy run, in addition to the little toys that you got, they had the gold-plated cards. The gold-plated, there were four of them, and they came in these cool Pokeballs. They were great collectibles with stands. I had all of them. Yep. And I think I still have my Polyroll somewhere. Yeah? I think so. I don't know what happened to them. I still have two of the Pokeballs that they came in, but no idea. Before we move on from this topic, I would like to tell you all a story. This is... Like, this is almost like retribution. Almost. So, oh God, this is now six years ago. We had an office. Some friends and I, we all, including Chris, we all rented an office for a year. And it was just a hangout. Like, we filled it with TVs and video games. This is what we did, like, after we graduated from school, but had no idea how to be adults. Yeah, it was, we were responsible enough to start paying bills, but certainly not responsible enough to pay rent. (laughs) So that's what we did. When we were there one day, our friend Justin was there, and I was, we were all into Magic the Gathering. I know, we're very cool people. Thank you for pointing that out. We were all into Magic, and I remember I was on Kijiji looking to see if there were free cards anywhere. Because there were a bunch of filler cards that you need, that you get over time. But we wanted to skip that step, see if some people were giving them away because they're pretty much worthless. I found this guy out in Brampton, which from Niagara Falls is a good two hour drive. He was giving away a whole bunch of cards. All it said was like they're really old couple big boxes they're free if you want them and he was giving away a bunch of other stuff too so i sent him an email and said hey like we were super into this we're just getting started be happy to come pick them up he said okay i'll leave them on my porch for you so talked to justin about it he was in we split the gas to drive out there we drove out picked them up like we're talking like three thousand cards a ridiculous amount of cards bring them all back we start going through them and they're from the revised set which is the second set of magic cards ever made we're talking like 1994 we had 12 particular cards that were extraordinarily valuable we sold them on ebay for like 600 bucks us yeah just those 12 cards. i remember watching i remember just watching the bidding oh yeah and i was i was blowing my mind that people were bidding on these because yeah i i was never into magic i'm still not into magic and just seeing these cards being sold for that much was mind-boggling but also great yeah and i was super jealous i didn't uh i wasn't didn't try the gas, right? I wasn't there that day. Oh, that's I wasn't true. around. I totally would have been I, in I for feel that. Like you would have too. Oh, absolutely. I'm kind of glad you weren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we sold those ones and then we split the rest of them. I think I sold a bunch from my half for like 80 bucks and then the remainder for 70. Like it was crazy. So that is the kind of thing that happens. There yeah. are still people out there you accidentally. Took childhood dreams. Well, he no, he gave them away. It yeah. wasn't his mom, it was him. They were his cards. He yeah. just didn't know what he had. What if he's a podcast listener? Oh god. I'm so sorry. I think his name was Craig. Craig, if you're out there, um, 
Well, your loss. It's happened to us all. We if, feel your pain. At least if it makes you feel any better, the blow. If it makes you feel any better, Craig. If I had held on to those cards until today, the five hundred dollars we got would be more like three to four thousand. Fuck off. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, and also <laughs> if it feels any better, at least it didn't get water damage sitting in a basement. True. Like I've had, I have a lot of. Yeah, one last note before we move on. I still have a lot of stuff in my dad's shed, and it is not particularly water resistant. So I am not looking forward to going through some of that stuff and seeing what awesome stuff that I had is now ruined. Yep. So that's the end of that. One thing I would like to discuss very briefly. On my way here, I stopped to get gas in Hamilton and there's this guy walking down the sidewalk yelling, which is not, not an uncommon sight. And as he gets closer, I can hear what he's yelling and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> and that's it. That's all he was saying. Nothing else. No, no nothing else. No, no line from the movie or something. Is, is it a Robin Williams impersonation or is he just No, like... he was just screaming. Good morning, Vietnam. That's Hamilton. It was weird. Anyway, let's dive into our sponsorship segment. We've got a good one this week. Every week on the podcast, we like to pretend we've got a real sponsor. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We need to keep our uh, edges sharp for it, so we're going to keep practicing. This week, the podcast is brought to you by a 90s icon, three 90s icons, some fantastic, awesome amphibians, the Budweiser Frogs. Bud. Wise-er. We'd like to make a quick note that Budweiser in no way supports, condones, or is even aware of this podcast, probably. I think if uh, if we have words on Budweiser, it'll become abundantly clear. Um, it's one of the beers I will drink if it's given to me, but I certainly won't go out of my way to buy it. The only time I ever have Bud is like if I'm at a baseball game, and Bud Light is the only other option. <laughs> yeah, no, I would take Bud over Bud Light. There's something about Bud Light that I just can't do. Again, if it's offered to me, I'll probably still drink it, but Bud is certainly not my beer of choice. Not happy about it. Anyway, yeah. the, the Budweiser Bud frog. On the other hand, those are awesome. That was a marketing... Oh. That was marketing genius. Frogs. Yeah. Yeah. They just... I mean, it's the... Uh, People love those things. I know. And just the repetitiveness. Budweiser. Budweiser. It's it was Costanza head. before you could Costanza. That's true. Costanza. <laughs> it just stuck in your head. I mean, to this day, I remember it. Doesn't make me want to buy Budweiser, but I'm sure for some people it definitely does. Maybe. And Maybe. I remember these little frogs fondly. They're some of my favorite 90s amphibians next to, of course, Kermit the Frog, who is the amphibian of any decade, except for Ooh. 2016. What about the Geico Gecko? Geico Gecko? Ooh, Geico Gecko. He's a good one. If there's an amphibian or reptile of the year award, Kermit is raking in most of those. Probably. I'm going to say a couple years in the mid-2000s, the Geico Gecko? Yeah. Maybe taken a couple. Probably did. In maybe 96, 97, the Budweiser Frogs could have taken that one from Prime Kermit. time. This year, it's, of course, T-Lizard. T-Lizard? T-Lizard is... There's a picture of Kermit the Frog drinking Lipton tea. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's none of my business. Some media outlet did not describe it as Kermit the Frog drinking tea. They described him as a T-Lizard. Oh, my God, that's the best. I almost spit out my water again as soon as I realized where this was going. like, what the fuck's a T-Lizard? Yeah, no, it's a picture of Kermit the Frog. Like, who can't identify Kermit the Frog? Apparently a major news organization. That is fantastic. Yeah, I think think I'll link that picture. Yeah, you definitely. 
yeah, that's gonna that's be that's gonna be our podcast image of uh, of this week. So the Budweiser frogs, we would like to thank you for your diversity in the amphibian world in the 1990s. You were tenacious. You were out there and telling us what to drink. Even if it was swill. Ugh. And we respect you for that because frogs shouldn't be drinking alcohol anyway. And if they are, it might as well be Budweiser. That's as good a note to end on as any. You can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. We're on Twitter at SIT90s. We're on Instagram at stuckinthe90spodcast. We've been posting post more. Yeah. yeah, we've been posting more lately. So you're welcome, world. Uh, if you're interested in being a $10 sponsor or want to chat about whatever, you can email us at stuck in the 90s podcast at gmail.com that's the email i took it i struggled to remember that i think that is about all of the stuff we have going on for now yeah i think the last thing to do is just pick what we're doing next week all right all right i'm gonna i'm gonna warm this up we'll give a practice little half spin and here we go we are doing August 12th to 18th, 1999. That's right. We are jumping from 1990 right to 1999. I hope we can take the temporal shear on our bodies traveling through that much time in one week. It's almost the new Willennium. Whoa, it is the Willennium. Yeah. Or is it... Summer of Will. Or on is that it the note. Backstreet Boys Millennium? You know oh, what? Maybe. We'll find out next week. We will. The, the podcast, podcast is, is now over. over.